Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1580-1580, getting close 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 to episode 1600 what do you know and i want to thank all of you for subscribing to our youtube channel for all of your brilliant insightful interesting community building comments on our youtube videos and for uh liking them as well and sharing them with uh everybody you know because our humble little youtube channel as you know i may or you, you may know you may not know this but maybe you do we haven't really focused much on uh youtube we've really focused on podcasting over the last uh, 16 years or so but we are over 10,000 youtube subscribers now we're at uh, i think 10,200 and something that's great it's a it's it's humble little number but it's a it's a good beginning so thanks to all of you who are checking out our youtube channel there's really some great content on there we really did focus on it for a change so that's good now today well, this is a 10th episode show so you know what that means we're going to talk about something of general interest and I want to just tell you that we have an election just a little over a week away and you know what I can't wait to get it over with because I am really you know this might this kind of surprises some people when I tell them I'm just really not terribly interested in politics now what do I mean by that I'm interested in if you've been following my work for a while, you know that I generally lean toward the macro, not the micro. I'm not very interested in the soap opera that is politics about this person and that person. I am interested in political philosophy and ideology, though. I think that's really where you need to kind of look is, is the general big picture philosophy of one party or another and sadly in america we have this total scam known as the two-party system it is a complete epic scam and we never get any great choices right we it's always uh, sort of the lesser of the two evils in fact i think most americans wonder what it would be like to have a real choice i mean why don't we have runoff elections well because the whole thing's rigged it's a big scam that's why but a runoff election would be more like this You'd have, you know, 30 candidates and uh, then you'd, you'd run them off. I guess that's kind of what you can say they do with debates, but not really. Nobody actually votes, right? And so uh, then, then we whittle it down to fewer and few candidates and then we pick better, better choices, right? Better choices. But sadly, that's not the way it is. And you know what? 
you know, it, it makes a difference, certainly, who's president, but it also makes a lot of difference who is, uh, who, who are all the senators and who are all the Congress people, who fills the House and the Senate, and uh, who is the governor and the mayor of various states and cities. So that stuff matters too. Pay attention to it. And these propositions matter. I mean, in the uh, Socialist Republic of California, wow, that ballot this time, it could really slam some things. Oh, and by the way, we are doing a special, special, special election night live cast, a live stream on election night. Now, those of you who know, probably know that I believe in the early to bed, early to rise thing. But just for you, because I love you, I'm going to stay up late on election night. You know, I have a little cot in my office, my office downstairs. I set it up when my dog was sick a few weeks ago. I, she seems to be better now. You know, I don't know underlying conditions. I'm just saying she's better symptomatically, at least. I had to let her out to go to the bathroom all the time. So, <laughs> so I, I, I left the cot down here and I may actually, you know, do the live stream and then, I don't know, leave it on, turn it off. I'm not really even sure. And go take a nap and then come back on. This will be the longest live stream we've ever done. You know, yesterday on the live stream, we went for almost two hours, and, and we do that on our Sunday coffee talks a lot. Coffee talk on Sunday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern every Sunday on Facebook and YouTube. But we're doing a special election night coverage, and I really want to stay up until we really know how the election turns out, especially who is president. Is it going to be... Donald J. Trump or Kamala Harris, because I don't think Joe Biden is actually running for president, is he? I mean, the guy is so flippin' confused. It's shocking. <laughs> it's, I mean, have we ever had a president as uh, mentally out of it as Joe Biden? I mean, seriously, can you imagine if he actually had the launch codes, well, first of all, he couldn't remember them, I'm sure. You know, he, he can't even remember who he's running against. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he thought he was running against George Bush. Here's the tape. What kind of country we're going to be? Four more years of George, uh, George, uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. Now, his running mate, Kamala Harris, she doesn't even know what city she's in. Here's the clip of that. Hey, Cleveland! It's Kamala! But, so, I must warn you that our 10th uh, our show guest today will be talking about uh, some very interesting stuff. And then, you know, in a week or so, we'll kind of be past this political stuff and we won't be talking about it so much. But he's going to talk about how one particular political party has a long, unholy criminal enterprise. Why one particular party is oppressing one particular race of people. And why this particular party is sowing racial discord, fear, and hatred, and how it is necessary for that party to maintain their presence in American political life. And you know, if you are listening from one of the other 188 countries around the world, and you're not 
based in the U.S. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy over here in the U.S. here uh, to, to our foreign uh, listeners. But we've got listeners in 189 countries worldwide. And of course, uh, the U.S. being the, the largest economy and such an influential player on, on the global stage, all of this stuff matters to you, right? But it also matters because a lot of these same dirty, sleazy tactics that go on in the U.S. are going on in your country as well. If they're worse or if they're, you know, not as bad there, uh, they may be someday. So, you know, it's it's important that you know about this stuff. It really is. So our 10th episode guest will be here in a moment. But on the real estate front, commercial real estate, it's a pretty interesting, you know, what is going on with commercial real estate nowadays. Pretty scary, really. I mean, there is some, that side of the industry, the commercial real estate side, and as you know, you know, what do people mean when they say commercial real estate? Do they mean multifamily, uh, you know, big apartment complexes? Do they mean industrial properties? Do they mean retail properties? Do they mean office properties? Or do they mean special use properties or something entirely different? Uh, there are many categories of commercial real estate. But one thing we know for sure, we know that the hospitality industry, meaning hotel properties, are suffering greatly. Tourism is suffering greatly. Office properties suffering greatly and retail properties suffering very greatly. And some of this was already underway, of course, especially the retail apocalypse, but uh, COVID has only accelerated the demise of this. But what's interesting in the office sector, and I'm looking at an article here from Globe Street entitled, Is CRE, Commercial Real Estate, Ready for the Great American Move to the Suburbs? The pandemic will likely catalyze growth in lower density suburban markets and in affordable markets. Well, dear listeners, guess what? Guess what, dear listeners? You are already invested there if you've been buying through jasonhartman.com slash properties, or you are thinking of investing there if you are listening to this show. So congratulations to you. Good for you, good for you, because you're already positioned. Now, in hearing all of this great news, you may wanna double down on your position or triple down on your position, because literally everything seems to be in your favor. Everything seems to be in your favor. So I thought I would sell some of my properties, do some 1031 exchanges, try to consolidate my markets. As you know, one of my big mistakes as an investor was being overly diversified. You know, when I first started doing this many years ago, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. And uh, then I later decided that my advice to you because of the mistake I made would be to invest in at least three markets, but not more than five markets. And I had invested in, get this, 17 markets. Way too many, too confusing, too hard to keep track of, not a good decision, too many different parties to deal with. And you know, I've still got a lot of these old properties that I haven't unwound yet in my portfolio, and I'm trying to consolidate markets. Hopefully one day I'll get it down to where I'm only in five markets. And I want to go deep instead of wide. Wide meaning more markets, deep meaning more properties in fewer markets. But remember, 
most people, most investors make the mistake of being not diversified enough geographically. They're in just one market. That's a mistake. And a lot of times they're in a market that's not a good market. They're in a cyclical market or even a hybrid market, not so good. You wanna be in linear markets in at least three of them, not more than five of them. But back to the commercial real estate and the move toward suburban affordable markets. The article says suburban locations are already well positioned to replace urban markets with many already offering urban style amenities like culture as well as serving as centers for finance and government. Now government, uh, blah, boo government, but you know, what they mean by that is that government is a pretty stable employer, obviously. But a lot of these suburban markets now, and I've certainly noticed this in Florida, I've you know lived in Florida for what, two and a half years now, very happy with my move here. And by the way, the weather, oh, the weather, it's so beautiful here. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely stunning. You go outside and you think, gosh, could it be? any nicer. I don't think that's possible. Not possible. The weather is so spectacular here. Yes, I know it's hot and muggy for about five months of the year, but now we're moving into those seven months where everybody gets to be jealous of Florida. One of the biggest tourism spots on planet Earth is Florida right here, folks. And we've got properties in Florida for you in some great markets. Go to jasonhartman.com slash properties and find out more. Reach out to your investment counselor through jasonhartman.com or if you're in the United States by calling 1-800-HARTMAN, shameless self-promoter. But here's the thing. You know, a lot of people, they like these urban areas because they're more walkable and, you know, you can go to the coffee shop and the cafe and all of this stuff. Nowadays, all you're really going to is a closed coffee shop where everybody's wearing a mask and uh, maybe a closed cafe where they're running at 25% capacity can barely stay in business. And there are riots in the streets because a bunch of losers with no job are angry. Boy, they might be really angry next week when uh, Donald Trump gets reelected. But that may or may not happen. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, but, uh, you know, if he gets elected, uh, or if he doesn't get elected, if uh, Kamala Harris gets elected, there won't be any riots in the streets because Republicans don't riot. Okay, they run businesses and stuff like that. You know, they actually do these more value-oriented things for society. <laughs> They're the creators more than the destroyers. There are people that add value and people who subtract value. That's the way the world works, right? But this is really interesting because in the commercial real estate market, you've got all of these companies that are now looking at that this new hub-and-spoke plan that I've mentioned before. They're thinking of it like an airline would, hub and spoke. You know, they might still have a small trophy office in that trophy location on Madison Avenue or whatever in New York, but it's going to be dramatically smaller. And then they will have several small suburban offices, much cheaper to maintain, much less expensive, that their newly, what do I want to say, new suburban resident workforce can can use, right? And they can use them like office hotels and uh, like co-working spaces. So this is an interesting shift. And folks, 
congratulations to you because you're already positioned for this. Listen to this. Large suburban markets have accounted for 22% to 25% in U.S. population, with small increases in suburban population over the last two decades. Baby boomers, Gen X, and millennials have all driven the growth of urban markets and set off widespread market trends like preference for experience, smaller environmental footprint, and better public transportation options. That's what's been happening since the 90s, right? But now all of that is shifting. It's like the tide went one way and now the tide is going the other way. And, and these suburban markets now offer a lot of things that only the urban markets offered before. So congratulations, folks. You are positioned very well for this. And if you're not, meaning you haven't purchased properties through our platform, then go to the website, check them out, contact one of our team members, and they'll be glad to help you with that. Also, Another thing on the real estate before we get into our guest, the number, and this is an article from Housing Wire. It says the number of seriously delinquent mortgages falls for the first time since the pandemic hit and some early stage delinquencies are showing signs of improvement. So this, uh, they're citing some statistics from the big data company, Black Knight, that has all sorts of data and analytics. And they're talking about how the forbearance numbers are down, delinquencies outside of forbearance programs are down, and things are looking pretty good. And low rates have uh, allowed people to refinance. Uh, they've allowed people to sell their properties if they think they can't afford them anymore. You've read out there in the media, they call them the crash boys, but they're just talking about how wrong these people were because none of this happened. 2020 has been a phenomenal boom time for real estate. And you know what? I'm going out a limb. I say it's going to continue. Unless interest rates go up dramatically, uh, causing housing affordability to go way down, or there's some other like black swan event, I, I can't see how with such a housing shortage, this won't continue for quite a while into the foreseeable future. So we'll see. We know either way, look at if the market goes the other direction and prices decline, then that's going to put upward pressure on rents. The point is we have a housing shortage no matter what whether it's buying houses or renting houses, there's a shortage, period, end of discussion. And there's tons of demand and there's all that shadow demand. Remember, I've talked to you about the roommate problem before and how the highest number, I think it was about 53% or so of um, Americans as old as 29 years old are living at home with their parents. Folks, these people will eventually grow up and move out and stop sitting in the basement, uh, playing video games and watching, well, you know what, P-O-R-N, okay? <laughs> That's sadly the, the, the crazy world we live in, right? And so, you know, they're going to grow up, they're going to get out of the house, and they're going to make life for themselves. It'll just happen. It has to happen. It always does. And that's 52% or 53%. That's a giant number. That's millions and millions of people, more housing demand when there's already a massive shortage. So 
There you go. For whatever it's worth. There it is. Okay. I'm going to play a little campaign ad for you. This is not someone I'm voting for that I can even vote for, but I just think that she makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to play this campaign ad, and then we're going to roll right into our 10th episode guest today and talk about the Iron Triangle. Do you care about black lives? The people that run Baltimore don't. I can prove it. Walk with me. They don't want you to see this. I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty, and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. What is the result of their decades of leadership? Baltimore is one of the top five most dangerous cities in America. The murder rate in Baltimore is 10 times the U.S. average. The Baltimore poverty rate is over 20%. Homicide, drug, and alcohol deaths are skyrocketing in our city. Do you believe Black Lives Matter? I do. The vast majority of crime in Baltimore is perpetrated against black people who make up 60% of the population. So why don't we care about our communities? The Democrat Party have betrayed the black people of Baltimore. If the politicians walk the streets like I do, they would see exactly how their policies and corruption affects us. But they don't want to see it. They don't want you to see this. Go to any Baltimore neighborhood and ask this question. Do you want to defund the police? No. No. Absolutely not. I had three sons killed in Baltimore City. And I think if we defund the police office, it's going to be worse than that. So no, I'm opposed to that. What are you going to defund the police for? Why? How do you defend your city? your community. Families are losing people. It's not just Baltimore. The worst place for a black person to live in America is a Democrat-controlled city. It's 2020. Name a blue city where black people's lives have gotten better. Try. I'll wait. Look at this. How are children supposed to live here and play here? Democrats think black people are stupid. They think they can control us forever that we won't demand better and that we'll keep voting for them forever, despite what they've done to our families and our community. Are they right? I'm Kim Klasik and I'm running for Congress because I actually care about black lives. All black lives matter. Our communities matter. Baltimore matters. And black people don't have to vote Democrat. It's my pleasure to welcome Vince Everett Ellison to the show. He is the author of The Iron Triangle, How Democrats Are Using Race to Divide Americans in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Stop Them. Vince, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. Where are you located? I'm located uh, right outside of Lynchburg, Virginia, in a small town called Amherst between Lynchburg and Charlottesville. Excellent. Well, you know, your book is being called one of the most important books in America since 1619. And I don't know what book was written in 1619. Maybe you can help. But, yeah, 16, uh, 1619 was uh, the days that the uh, first slaves came to America. The, uh, the New York Times is having this thing called the 1619 Project, where they're trying to destroy the whole concept of what America was. So 
we decided to say the book uh, is going to set a lot of things straight. Got it. Got it. Well, that's great. It's it's good that, you know, we're hearing another side to this because all you hear in the mainstream media is this political correctness. And it's like the same exact narrative everywhere. Tell us why this narrative, why you believe this narrative is faulty. Well, I was born on a cotton plantation in uh, Haywood County, Tennessee. My father was a sharecropper. My father and my mother, when I was born, were sharecroppers. Uh, my father worked hard and through the insurance industry, got us out of poverty. I went to the church, baptized a Baptist, grew up kind of uh, a good American middle class life. And I went to college and I started working in the prison system. And when I started working there in the 90s, I saw a lot of black men being locked up, a lot of men, period. And when I asked the black intelligentsia what was going on, because I thought we had overcome, they said uh, it was these rich white Republicans that were, that were doing it. And they were just mean, vicious and evil and locking up these black men. So I decided to start a nonprofit organization to stop locking black men up and just try to keep them out of jail. And when I got down there in the black community, I found out something very interesting. I didn't see any rich white Republicans anywhere. Matter of fact, I saw I found out I could see a leprechaun before I saw a rich white Republican down in the black community. But what I did see was a lot was a lot of black preachers, black uh, politicians, and black civic organizers. And I call these cats the Iron Triangle. And their job was to do one thing. They were paid contractors and they were paid by these uh, liberals from New York City and, and California to one, to one end. Their job was to make sure the black community voted 90% for the Democrat Party, period. Didn't matter what was going on, how they did it. They needed 90% of the black vote to stay in power. They got their black vote during, during the civil rights movement and they'll, let, and they'll kill black people before they let it go because all their power, all of it rest upon keeping the black people completely exactly where they are, just like it was. All their power rested in that during slavery. It rests in this right now. So all of this that you see right now in, 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 in America, same thing, is to keep us afraid, keep us believing that we are under the eight ball here in America, that we cannot do, do it on our own. The white Democrats leave us, that the uh, rich white Republicans will kill us. And all of this is a charade to keep us afraid and keep us on the plantation. And that's what you're seeing every day. Vince, you know, it, it seems pretty logical that, you know, if you want to control a segment of the population, you make them dependent. Uh, mm. Look, at children are dependent on their parents because they need their parents to take care of them. So their parents are in control. Th this seems like it's exactly what's going on in several minority communities, not just the black community, where you, you've got these political groups that uh, keep telling people that they're less, they're not enough, they can't do it without us. This narrative is is so offensive, isn't it? Well, it is offensive, but the Black experience here in America is much different than the white experience. Remember, most of the white people that came here came here on their own. They were fed up with Europe, and they decided to leave. And these guys had moxie. I mean, they took their last dime, and they jumped on the ship, and they paid their fare, and they came to America with, with nothing but the, but the rags on their back, and they were looking for freedom. Mm -hmm. Black people came here differently. They were sold. They came up to America. They were sold again. They were made. They, everything was stripped from them, and they were told a different thing about America. They were told you were inferior. You're nothing. You're less than everybody. And that's been beaten down into the heads of Black people to a point where now white people don't have to say it. We tell our children that. And it was never, ever, and I guess one of the failings of America is that they, after slavery, they never got that out of the black community. Matter of fact, white Southerners still benefited from it after the Civil War. So we still have that same slave mentality. And it's hard to get it out because it's generational now. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, when you read history, 
uh, it's this thing on Roots, the scene on Roots that I will never forget. When I was a little boy, I saw Roots on I, television. I remember and, seeing Roots a few times when I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well if you remember this scene, it was this uh, black uh, slave mother escorting her daughter to the cabin of the overseer to be raped. The mother was 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 taking her there. Frederick Douglass wrote in My Bondage, My Freedom, his first memory was his grandmother taking him on a 12-mile hike and turning him over to another plantation, slipping out of the back door, and he never saw her again. She turned him over to be a slave. When you start looking at us, you see that we pay, a, that we are uh, involved a lot in our own destruction. Black people are telling their children that there is a such thing as white supremacy and that white people have some type of privilege over them. Black people are telling them that you better not vote for a Republican. It is us that's doing the damage. And that's where this book comes in. We have to change that. Right, right. So does the welfare state make that worse? And I would especially point out aid to families with dependent children. Some will say that that has really uh, just destroyed black families because you're, you're basically paying people to not have a family unit. And that, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that started in the civil rights movement. Uh, I have in my book a, a chapter that shows that between 1940 and 1960, the black people, black Americans were were excelling at a faster rate than any other people in the United States. And then in the 60s, when the Moynihan Report came out telling um, America that black people were we saw a trend that we were getting on welfare. And so they told the civil rights movement that this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the black man back in charge of his family. And I have it documented where they, when they took this to the civil rights community, to Martin Luther King Jr. and all of them, they said that they went crazy. They said no. So they put the man out clause into the welfare uh, bill. And the man out clause dictated that the man had to be out of the house before the woman could receive any welfare. So we went from 80% of our children being born in two-parent families to 80% being born out of wedlock in one generation. Unreal. And it was all because of government. Yeah. 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 So the man out clause, meaning the man couldn't be in the household uh, no. if the if the mother wanted to receive the government aid, aid to families with dependent children. Right. Exactly. Look, black people are always poor, but we weren't criminals. They, yeah. they were poor, but we but we got married. Right. Poverty has nothing to do with this whatsoever. Mm-hmm. This is a plan by the Democrat Party. You're looking at a cultural genocide in real time. We're talking about what they're doing in China mm-hmm. to the Uyghurs. No. They're doing this in, in America right now to the mm-hmm. black community. Mm-hmm. When you look at TV, you see people burning down their own communities. You look at dystopia. Right. But it's also double-mindedness and it's learned helplessness at the same time. Right. Look, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, I cannot be a victim. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm more than a conqueror. Yet, and I'm supposed to practice forgiveness, forbearance, and love. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yet you have a bunch of Christians out there. Eighty five percent of the black community say they're Christian mm-hmm. and they're running around saying no justice, no peace, yeah. burning down buildings, saying that they're victims, saying that we got to stop white supremacy. And that's it's victimization. Mm-hmm. You cannot be a Christian and be a victim. Yeah. This is how the Iron Triangle, the black preacher, the black civic organizer and all these guys have lied to the black community. You'll see black preachers out there like Sharpton and Jackson saying the same exact thing, telling black Christians that they're victims. That is an apostate. That is a lie. I don't think Martin Luther King would be at all pleased with with the way this has evolved, uh, would he? I don't know, because Dr. King kind of started it. He went to Washington, D.C., and he said, and I was wondering why these young men were all kneeling two or three years ago. So I heard, I went to the Lorraine Motel. And uh, they have a museum there, and they were looping Dr. King's speech. Mm-hmm. And I heard him say something that I heard a thousand times, and I have a dream speech, but I've not heard it in this context. Uh-huh. He said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. Mm-hmm. That is a lie. Mm-hmm. I was born free. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And I started hearing Kaepernick and all these guys say, I want my freedom. Well, see, you exercise your freedom. You don't ask for it. It's yours. Right. And these young men have been told over the last 50 years by leaders in power that they are not free and that it's an absolute bald-faced lie. And King said in the I Have a Dream speech. He also mm -hmm. said that we come to Washington to get our unalienable rights. No, your unalienable rights are given to you by God. They're irrevocable, non-transferable, so, unsellable. Yeah. So they started it, and they yeah. told black people they're supposed to go to government for mm -hmm. everything they wanted and not God. And it sent us down this path, and we hadn't turned around from it yet. So the seeds of that were set by King, who you know yes. was obviously a great man, but you know the, he he couldn't have seen the way this would have turned out. So oh, look, I tell you what: yeah. uh, so a tree is known by the fruit it bears, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. All right. So when you look at the fruit of the civil rights movement, you tell me one thing we've gained. Yeah. Okay, Nothing. Question. Not yeah. one single solitary thing. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we've gone backward. Yeah. Name something we've gained through the civil rights movement. Interesting, interesting. Um, Nothing. It would seem from an outsider like a lot has been gained by the African-American community. But Like what? I want to hear it. Well, the right to sit where you want, no more What is that, man? Uh -huh. To be able to step inside a racist? Yeah. To have a hamburger beside a racist Ku Klux Klan member? How is that a game? Yeah, well, fair enough. Fair point. What are the three sides of the Iron Triangle? You've got the preacher. Um, the black preacher, the black politician, and the black civic organizer. Okay. The civic and what organizer. They, yeah, yeah. Black Lives Matter, NAACP, okay. SCLC, Acorn. the ones that are out there. Acorn, yeah, all of those. They're out there organizing the black people for the Democrat Party, for the Democrat vote, period. Okay. These people fight for one-party rule. Now, how are you a leader when you know that any leader should give their people an option? They fight for one party rule in the black community. Yeah. That's totalitarianism, man. That's not freedom. You can't have freedom of one party rule. You've got a chapter about communism and Marxism infiltrating the black church. Uh, tell yes. us about that. Well, they, they started it in, in the 60s. I'm when they started, it came through during the, during the civil rights movement. As a matter of fact, I, I have in my book, there's a, a statement from the Comintern in Moscow where they gave their people in the civil rights movement a basic order. And they said that, um, and Taylor Bratch wrote this in his, in his book, uh, Parting the Waters. He said in 1956, the Communist Party in Moscow ordered that the agents of the civil rights movement, they wanted to establish a separate national development for, for American Negroes modeled on the Soviet republics. They were given an order to do it in 1956. 1956, they were ordered to do it. Yeah. And they did it. Because mm -hmm. right now, what do we have? One party rule, dictator yeah. worship, poverty, drugs, family breakdown. We do not pray God anymore. We pray to the state. Yeah. And, and and there is a Marxist tenet. And you know this, that under, under the tenets of Marxism, the individual does not possess any inherent value. He can be discarded. He can be killed. Yeah. That's why they can kill these people now they're like they do and treat them like they do and not worry about them because they have no value to them whatsoever. Right, right. Their job is to make sure that they please the state, period. The state needs it. You die for it. In a story. That's yeah. who they are. And they've been killing my people for the last 60 years. The Democratic Party is a death cult. Mm -hmm. They abort half the children. Of the ones that survive abortion, they send them to schools that don't work. And half of them don't graduate. So then, and the ones, and then they take them and put them in jail. And then they do them like George Floyd and they end up killing them. George Floyd's murder was a visual representation of everything the Democratic Party has been doing to my people for the last 60 years. And the interesting thing about that, too, is the police brutality rates, the crime rates, they're the highest in all of the Democrat-run cities. It is and what do they, they do tell black men to do? Turn in your gun. Right. Why? Yeah. Now, why they say I'm being, they say I'm being hunted? 
Mm-hmm. I'm being hunted by these people. I mean, you said, well, I tell you what, turn your gun in. Why don't you just be expeditious and blow your own damn brains out? That's ridiculous. Yeah. If you're being hunted, don't you think they say, well, since you're being hunted, you need a gun, man, because that guy's going to kill you. Yeah, no, right. they say you're being hunted. Turn your gun in. Yeah. Well, they want to make everybody defenseless so that the government is the only ones with the, uh, the, with, the with the guns, obviously. Yeah, there it is. And yeah. the most important thing you, your, your listeners need to understand is that they're going to do this all over America. Joe Biden said, I'm proud of my record in the black community. He's proud that they abort half their children. Mm-hmm. He's proud that uh, uh, most of the people live in poverty. He's proud that none of the schools work. He's proud that the family's been broken down. He's proud of the crime and the drugs and the defunding of the police. He's proud of it. Now, that means if he's proud of it, he's going to try to duplicate it, right? Yep. There it is. So y'all better watch out because they're coming for y'all, but they're coming for white America next. Yeah. See, they didn't get they didn't get me and my family. They didn't get us mm-hmm. because we believe in God and we believe in America. And we become we become entrepreneurs and we become wealthy and we become successful in this country. Mm-hmm. But, but more, most of the people I know, they didn't get out of it. And they believe this lie. And the hardest thing for you to do is make them believe that they can make it in America because mm-hmm. they've been told, even by Martin Luther King Jr., how can you pull yourself up by your bootstrap when you don't have boots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that. Yep. He said that. And then when he says it, America says he was a great leader. Now, how can you be a great leader when you're telling your people stuff like that? Yeah, right. right. Well, That you don't even have bootstraps. Yeah, that that's a good that's a good way to look at it. I'm going to re-examine King and some of his thoughts and speeches. Well, I'll tell you what you also need that. to do is, is, is go go down to his monument in Washington D.C. and you'll find out that they don't have a mention of God anywhere, anywhere on that monument. You know why? Because they because they knew this wasn't a Christian movement, and the Iron Triangle allowed it. Now you know when they made when they got that um, that quote wrong about uh, I'm being a drum major for justice. Mm-hmm. Well, they spent almost a million dollars changing that one quote. But when it came down to the fact that God wasn't mentioned anywhere on that monument, the preachers, Barack Obama, SELC, they said nothing, not one blessed word. They didn't say he was a reverend. They didn't say that uh, he formed an organization called the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And God, all the quotes King had about God throughout his ministry, not one. This is what every dictator everywhere on planet Earth throughout history has always done. They've always eliminated any belief in a higher power because the highest power has to be them. It has to be government. And you can't believe in anything beyond government. Government is the highest power. That's their that's That's exactly right. That's their whole deal. So, yeah, it's unbelievable. That's the very reason why they got that. That's why they have prayer out of schools. mm -hmm. That's the reason why they try to make it difficult for, for Americans to practice their religion anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's who these people are. Yeah. And we better wake up to it. And that's why these young people, all of them out here, most of them white, talking about Black Lives Matter, they don't know anything. No, they're just they signaling fakes. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. That, that's all. You know? That's yeah. all. Yeah. And, they, and they, they know nothing about sacrifice, about religion, about God, about uh, standing firm about who you are, because they've been told that the white man can do anything he wants if he only wants to. See, you're not rich because the white man doesn't want you rich. Yeah. If he wanted you to be rich, you'd be rich. They've turned the white man into God. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. It's unbelievable. And and That's it's interesting. And you can go to a protest rally during COVID, but you can't go to church. God forbid. No. Pardon the pun. No, no, yeah. no. Can't do that. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They, they know do. that John Locke wrote a book, The Second Treaties of Government, that the reason why we could separate ourselves from the king was because the king cannot trace his lineage back to Adam. And therefore, the king had no power over us. He said, therefore, we're equal. We're all equal. And he told the people, because of that, 
you have a right to leave the king. He is not your king. And he said, all of our rights come from God. Every last one of them. So if you destroy God, where do the rights come from? Yeah. It comes from government. It comes from government. And yeah. so they have to destroy God in America before they can destroy the government. Mm -hmm. That's who they are. Very good points, Vince. I'm glad you're out there spreading the message. The book has excellent reviews, by the way. Uh, go ahead and get the book. It's called The Iron Triangle, How Democrats Are Using Race to Divide Americans in their quest for power and how we can stop them. Vince, wrap it up for us. Uh, give out your website, too. Uh, you go to irontrianglebook.com, irontrianglebook.com. I have blogs there. I have um, excerpts from the book. Also, if you can't get the book at Amazon because they seem to be sold out a lot there, go to Barnes & Noble, Walmart, or Target.com, and you can get them there. You can get it there. Good stuff. Vince, thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, HartmanMedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.